Hey everyone, what's happening? It's Evan Transu here. Just wanted to hop on before we get into this recording and say that Casey is in a much better spot now than what you will hear on this podcast. We got into some serious stuff. Casey is awesome because he is someone that is willing to get very vulnerable. He's a very good friend of mine and he did that on this podcast, definitely delivered with it. So what I wanted people to understand though is that despite what you might hear in this, he is the epitome of what we look for for interviewees for this podcast. He is someone who has overcome mental health challenges and I think he is a great person to talk about this stuff and I think he has some great insight and things to say for people listening out there. Casey gets into some really deep stuff both on the negative and positive sense so some of it might sound a little far out even um, but nonetheless I think what he has to say is awesome and he did a good job at toning it down in this one. He is in again some really cool things and really advanced level mindset type stuff. So it's something to consider before this gets rolling. But without further ado, here is the audio. What's going on, guys? You're listening to the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast. I am your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Mr. Health Coach Ev. It has been a while, but I am super, super happy to be back. We have an awesome guest today. A few quick updates uh, for the last things that I posted, some of the stuff that we were talking about on the podcast last time. Uh, the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges book is almost finished. I'm expecting availability to purchase right around mid-November, late November at the latest. So very excited about that. I know some people have been asking, and that's just been, I'll be honest, it's been something that's been super tough to work on. It has definitely challenged me in a new way. I don't normally have problems just doing what I need to do. And for some reason with that, I had a huge issue. So I'm back on track with that, and we're just about finished up, and then the last few weeks are just going to be the formal stuff, you know, getting it edited, getting it professionally proofread and getting the cover art done and getting it ready and in, into an actual book. So very excited about that. But today we are back again with yet another interview. Uh, this is a super interesting one for two reasons. Um, well, actually three. One is a very good buddy of mine. and He's just an interesting guy in general, very cool perspectives on life and has kind of an interesting upbringing and just story in general. But two is that we're live, which we've never done in Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast, live in the studio, which today is just my bedroom, but everyone's <laughs> always been um, in a remote location. We're kind of doing uh, the phone thing. So this is really interesting as well. And then number three is the fact that I haven't really heard this part of my friend's story that in depth. So it just makes for an extra level of very genuine interaction, so I'm super excited for that. Uh, but without further ado, I'd like to introduce him. Um, his name is Casey Kaladny. I went to high school with him. Casey had just always been one of those people in high school that had a natural charisma and confidence. I, I always say this um, to friends or like people at Toastmasters when I was introducing you, but I remember Casey best in high school as being the guy we, we were in choir together. We had about 100 something kids just in our grade, probably in choir. It was a very popular elective. And Casey was the guy that had the confidence to be dressed up as the elf for our Christmas thing that we did for our parents. So we got an auditorium filled with parents, some staff, and Casey's running up and down the aisles, singing and dancing in this damn elf costume. And, you know, that would be hard for most of us to do now, let alone in high school, and we're worried about what everyone thought. But um, Casey, just he was always different in that way. And it's really cool. And he still carries that into today's world. And once I found out kind of how he grew up and the things that he does and the practices that he engages in, it's very obvious to see why he was able to get himself to that level um, at such a young age. So I'm going to bring him in. Casey, 
normally I act like that I hadn't already talked to the person. I say, are you there? But I kind of sold myself short already because I know that you're right here. So what's going on, man? Uh, I'm, I'm here, Evan. Great, great. <laughs> um, cool. So we're going to just kind of jump right into this and then we'll talk more about because you have a lot of good stuff today to say, I think, about positive, positive coping mechanisms and things along that line. So I want to start off first with more of the backstory and where we all started out. So this same question I always ask to everyone in the beginning, but it's turned out to be pretty effective. It doesn't have to be bad stuff by any means. If you weren't dealing with any stuff that was challenging you mental health-wise at that time, it doesn't matter. But what was Casey like as a kid, you know, that five to 10-year-old range, like, what did Casey Claudney look like? So it's all been mi- like the good and the bad have been mixed in my entire life. Um, I, you know, right when I was born, it was kind of traumatic. Um, my mom was in labor, like actual labor pushing mm-hmm. for 54 hours. Okay. I came out blue. I was 10 pounds and I had a full head of hair and just, uh-huh. you know, she thought she was going to have a home birth in the bathtub. Next thing, you know, two days later, Let's go to the hospital. They're getting ready for the C-section. Boom, finally popped out. So there was a a lot of resistance about coming into this world initially. Sure. And so um, growing up, I always had a lot of joy and stuff like that. But when things shifted, I would, this tantrum would kick in of like unstoppable, unreasonable, just like from whenever, you know, from the time that I could speak, I was having these tantrums that were just impossible. Sure absolutely impossible but I was always brave as a kid you know like my dad would say come to me at the bottom of the stairs and I'd be on the top of like 15 stairs and I'd be three years old and I would just jump (laughs) (laughs) I would jump straight into my dad's arms and I never really had any fear around my physical well-being I was constantly bumping my head I probably you know I always had a goose egg on my head growing up and when I remember um these tantrums really started to get out of control around like the second grade, um, I had like I distinctly remember I was on the top of the stairs and I was just like screaming like I'm gonna kill myself. Second, second grade, okay, wow. and I had also like um, gotten on a skateboard and rode on my back straight into the road with the intention of just not coming back anymore. I was mm-hmm. just like over it, so I was in therapy, yeah. right, <laughs> as a parent would do, and. It, when I got the attention from the therapist, it just seemed to melt away. Okay. You know, uh, it, it really seemed to be some sort of um, like an attention thing that I just wasn't getting in the way that I needed at a certain point. And I had all these like abandonment issues and rejection of like, like, where the hell did this come from? Also, there were, you know, there were things at home that I don't really want to get into that just led to um, me, you know, not believing in myself, sure. um, thinking that I was stupid, being afraid of being like there, you know, I had also some experiences with some kids, like some bullying. And I had a pornography addiction from a young age mm-hmm. when I was like seven, okay. you know, yeah, so yeah. all of this stuff is all like adding into this really already fragile brain chemistry, just throwing all kinds of stuff onto the fire. And so, but like, while all that bad stuff stuff was happening I also had an amazing support system like my mom and my and my dad both like most of the time were really there and embodying these things like of course they minimized a lot of my pain and they you know didn't get it and they told me I was a drama king and blah 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 sure. you know which really didn't help which suppressed a lot of things that's why I still deal with things today 
you know? And um, I was kind of like pretty good. You know, I'd have the tantrum here and there. I would melt down and feel like I was completely incapable a lot of the times, like forcing like people to do things for me. Like if I completely melted down, maybe somebody would write my paper for me. Okay. And of like, I just can't do it. I completely melt on the floor. There's nothing that you could do. And I would just scream. And like, it was like this unbelievable terror. And mm -hmm. then, um, which turned into anger as I got more like 11, 12 ish. And I would go in like, you know, hit trees with baseball bats and just like go berserk in the woods, screaming and knocking down things right. and breaking things. And then um, my uncle passed away, who in a lot of ways was like a father to me when I was about 12 years old. And what happened was like, he was really like a father to me. And like, we had a really special connection, but the, you know, something happened in my family where my pain was not really accepted for that. And I was rejected in my time. Like they, like I was too young to like, quote unquote, know him and have that relationship. And they were grieving and I was too young to be a part of that. Sure. So then I was rejected and I was like by myself. So I would be like under the bed crying, feeling completely rejected in so much grief that nobody was there for me. And that, and I kind of bottled that up and that stuck with me a long time. And it affected my relationships with women, which also was affected by the pornography addiction. And it also, you know, it was a fear of like looking weak. It was a fear of not being part of the group and, and abandonment. It was like all these issues that were like underlying, um, you know, even more exaggerated, like just like boom. And I, and I want to say something really clearly is that I firmly believe that we get a lot of these um, like you can get these like rejection and abandonment and blah, blah, blah issues for not blah, 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 but you know what I'm saying yeah, no, from, no. from, you know, your parents, you know what I mean? Just the way that they behave. You're like, this is a thing about me of why I'm such like, why I'm really good at acting, why I'm good at coaching, why I'm good at like being with people on an emotional level is because I'm extremely empathetic yes, and I can yes. pick up on your energy and I will mirror your energy. In a lot of situations, I just mirror people completely until I lose who I am as a person. And that happens to me unconsciously all the time in relationships with girlfriends, roommates, blah, blah, blah. So it's really important for me to surround myself with really positive, upbeat people or else I will mold because I will mold and sh I'm like water and I will shape into whatever mug you put me in. But I still have the same flavor. And, <laughs> and see, that's, that's really interesting because I, what you... Some of the things you described, at least, sound very, like you hit a point I was going to hit with the high empathy thing. Mm -hmm. There seems to be this thing with these high empathy individuals. They feel, because like in high school, my perspective, right, is just this super energetic, super positive guy. But the curse with that gift is the fact that, yes, you also feel these other things very deeply. And like people might not have thought it right at 10, 11, 12 years old, you can be feeling these things so strongly, but you're probably feeling just as strong as everyone, if not a little stronger. Stronger, yeah. you know? Well, yeah, I was, I was feeling really, because I was having my own grief, plus I was feeling their grief. That's the thing that people don't understand yeah. is that I can feel, the reason that I work so hard in helping people a lot of time and I get hooked on a person and helping that mm -hmm. person is because I feel how they feel and it's killing me inside. So mm -hmm. really when I go to help a person in a lot of ways, if I'm not like fully with myself, and protected and in my own power, it's a selfish thing that I'm doing helping you because I am feeling your pain and I can't feel it anymore. And I need you to be better in order for me to be better. Sure. And that is a huge thing that has been debilitating in my life and my mental health. Got it. So 
you kind of already touched on it, but when would you say then specifically, because the, the next thing I usually ask is when did like the mental health issues start? Like looking back, because you do seem to have a really good perspective on all this stuff. Like yeah, I can hear even how you're talking about mm-hmm. it. Right? There, there's a lot of, uh, this has clearly been something you've thought about before. It's clearly been something that you've worked on a lot. Like when was that first thing? Like, okay, now something's going wrong. Well, so it's not that something's going wrong. It's just who I am. You know what I mean? And it's a, it, there's, um, what I realized at a young age is that, and, and it's still something that I struggle with all the time, but when I was probably 17 and I kind of like got on like a good thing, like what I did was I had, um, I was like breaking down a bit mm-hmm. and I went, I had a session with my mom and a session with this woman, Mary Lou, and I ended up going into the woods for two weeks and drinking nothing but juice, no technology, no nothing. For two weeks? For two weeks with a tent <laughs> during the summer. So I went into the woods. Every morning I would come back to my house. I would make my juice. I'd bring it back into the woods. And I'd, you know, have fires. I'd read books. I'd run around in the foot, woods. I'd play pretend. I'd meditate, you know. Um, I'd go on runs, work out. And I did this for two weeks. And it was really transformational for me in a lot of ways. And I really kind of rebuilt my brain. And and that's another reason why I'm a good actor is because my brain chemistry is so fragile that I can completely change my beliefs about myself and about the world and the reality that we live in within three to four days, I can have a complete, I can be a completely different person. And so the thing that I realized around that is that, oh, it is really important for me to know who I am and to continuously bring it back, bringing it back, bringing it back. Right. And I went to acting school and sometimes I would get lost in characters for four to six months that I would play. You know, because it they and then I would just play characters that were in the same vein as that of like if I played some guy who lost his daughter, next thing you know, I'm playing somebody who lost his comrade, who lost this and who lost that. Like it just like spirals, and then I'm living in that state of somebody who is, you know, had experienced so much loss, and like that's my belief about the world. And I realized, whoa, bringing it back to my affirmations, to you know, living in the vibration of who I authentically am. Because Jim Carrey says that thing about depression is just deep rest from playing a character that you're not aligned with. That's a good line. Yeah. Yep. You know, I was playing characters that I was not aligned with. So it's like bringing it back to playing the character that I am aligned with, that I don't need to have deep rest from. Sure. And identifying what that is. That's, that's, I mean, it's a separate conversation, but I just find it fascinating that you brought that up about getting into these roles so deeply because I didn't understand stuff like that. Obviously I'm not an actor by any means, Mm -hmm. right? The one, you know, I'm not a huge TV guy at all. Yeah. One of the, actually, it is the only TV show ever that I've watched all the episodes to. And it was Criminal Minds. I always found that fascinating. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cool that they studied these people. And there was this guy, uh, Gideon, in the first two seasons. And it was my favorite person. I thought he was so cool, super yeah. smart, very like, didn't show emotion with these guys, whatever. And he left the show. And I'm like binge watching this because I'm like, damn it, this is the only show I ever liked to this guy. And now I know how this feels. <laughs> and I looked it up. And because it's a criminal minds is for those who don't know, I mean, that's a show about, uh, you know, studying serial killers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he left because he couldn't take the stress of the job anymore. And I'm like, dude, you're acting. What the hell are you talking about? And then I looked this up and I found out like, yeah, like you people that do this type of stuff have such a high skill and are getting so deeply into these roles that it can change your whole belief system. I mean, that has a huge impact. Yeah. Cause your beliefs are your reality. Yeah. Wasn't it? guy who did uh one of the joker characters yeah Heath Ledger wow playing the joker killed him 
I mean, yeah, that's unbelievable. So, I mean, yes, it is a side topic, but it's also very relevant to your story because that matters. That, that does matter. And it's just something that I realized about myself that is the reason that I have to be so strict with myself in building my self-confidence, mm -hmm. you know, because if you have the self-confidence, then there's only a certain amount of room that these things can go. Right. Okay. When, so obviously this is something that's been dealt with on and off and I get mm -hmm. that. Most of the people, not necessarily, but most of the people I've talked to in general, and especially on this podcast, have these one or two moments, maybe, or one important one where they're like, wow, like I need to do something about this. Maybe you've already mentioned it. Maybe it wasn't mentioned yet. When would you say there was a time, if there was, mm -hmm. that you're like, holy crap, like this is getting out of control and I need to do something about this? Probably most recently, the time that, like, because I've had a bunch of different times and I've like like snapped into it and like hit rock bottom. Like I hit rock bottom a lot, but okay. my rock bottom gets higher and higher. Got it. Based oh, on, nice. So like it, I, it goes like a graph, like it's going, it's violently up and down, but it's going up. Okay. Got it. You yeah, see the what base I'm saying? A little higher each time. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes, you know, it really goes down and then it goes way up, you know, and, and it's just like a thing, but most recently, I was in this job, which is a lot of stuff that I want to talk about mental health is what happened in this job. Um, I so I graduated college, and I have a huge pressure on myself about being successful. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't realized it, but my ego was rearing its head, like nobody's business. It was, you know, afraid of so many things I was afraid of what people would think afraid of if I was capable, if I was smart enough, if I was like, good enough to make money and blah, 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 blah. And I ended up taking this job where I was making a lot of money, where I, you know, met like this job came into my reality because I was trying to like, I was doing these affirmations, right? That I'm running a media empire. Yes. Right. And so I attracted the vibration of that towards me. Of I ended up running a business empire. <laughs> I So in, in, you know, that sounds crazy, but I was the COO of Weather Enterprises which you won't find if you look up online because it's just a guy who owns a bunch of businesses and then I was running them. Right, right. And so there, there were laundromats, laundry delivery service, restaurants, apps, all kinds of stuff. And I was in charge of this. And I, especially since I didn't believe that I was good enough, I overworked myself to the bone. Mm -hmm. And I was not getting enough sleep. I was answering texts from 4 a.m. in the morning to 6 a.m. in the morning to noon to... <laughs> all times of the day, I was completely accessible to everybody. I had no boundaries with myself. Yeah. I had no boundaries with my roommate who I was living with. And I all I was completely draining myself of all energy, giving everything to my roommate, my job, and everybody around me, not taking in anything for myself, which sure. builds an enormous amount of resentment that just bubbled up inside me all the time to points where I was exploding with anger. And I was severely depressed and I was ready to fucking kill myself. And I was talking about it all the fucking time. And I was like thinking, I was driving really fast and there, you know, at any moment I could have just had an impulse to just go off a bridge or something like that. I was like, so on the brink, just grinding my teeth in so much pain, you know, cause also not only was it the job, but it was the location of where I was working a lot. I was working in Belleville, New Jersey was one of the, the locations that I visited the most. Yeah. And in this area is like, you know, crackheads, fights, somebody got murdered on our front step. You know, it's wow. just like these people are living hard lives. They're living in a reality where nothing ever works out. 
where everything has to be hard, where nothing ever goes smoothly. Mm -hmm. And this is the reality that they're living in. And this is their belief system. Then I was fighting so hard to be the light in that area of, um, you know, not like darkness, but you get what I'm saying. No, I'm that's like, what you're always trying to do, man. You always are like trying to light people up and bring the best out of them. And, and that's I, probably just too much to see. <laughs> and eventually it got to the point of my light got dimmed and I gave up and I was like, this is dark and it's never going to get better. And I, and, and my ego had kept me in that job for so long of like, if I give up, then I failed. And that's how people are going to perceive me. What am I going to do about money? You know, I have this apartment, I have bills. And I live in New York City. Like, I don't believe in myself enough to get another job. Right. You know, what am I, you know, all of these things of like, I realized that I was completely held in this position by fear. And I think a real moment, and I was also doing like cocaine and stuff like that. Right. So that, that is not a drug you need, my friend. <laughs> we need like a downer for you. Yeah, no. And I was, you know, I was, you know, whenever I was social, I was social with, drugs and alcohol, you know, to the bone. And of course, you know, I was, you know, trying to keep my mental. So like I was trying to meditate every day. I was trying to do my Wim Hof. I was trying to do all these things and I was making promises to myself and I was continuously failing myself day and day out. And that messes with you internally. That messes with me because every day I chipped at my self-confidence. I did. I answered my phone while I was meditating. I went out with my roommate instead of doing my Wim Hof. I let my room get messy day in and day out after I said that I would clean it. And to eventually, because I was sacrificing all that to the work, but eventually I had no self-confidence that that even came into the work and my work started to suffer. So then I was like, what's the point? I'm a worthless piece of shit. I'm going to just fucking kill myself, you know? And that's the point that I got to. And then I kind of like slipped that in as a joke to one of my friends and they said, don't you ever say that again? Mm-hmm. You know, cause I had joked about it a bunch of times and like nobody had ever said anything. But in that moment he could see, even though I was joking in my eyes that that's what it was. And I was like, fuck, something needs to change. Right. And that's when I realized I was trapped in the illusion of fear. So I said, I'm no longer going to allow myself to be trapped in the illusion of fear. And of course I'm like, how did you let yourself get to this point? Your entire life, you've been all about love and positivity mm-hmm. and keeping your, all this stuff. And it was just like, it didn't um, click. And, and finally it clicked and it took a really long time for me to recover because my brain had been wired for those nine months in that negative thought pattern where things go wrong and things are fucked up and people are getting killed and someone's going to pull a gun on me when I'm taking this money out of the safe and nothing's going to go right. And that's more than enough time, like you're right, to build a habit and change the way the brain views things. You're absolutely right. Exactly. So. And, and I was completely consumed by it. And so it took me, and my mom said to me, this was also a transition point. She started crying at Christmas because I was just so angry and miserable. And you could feel my vibration was just ready to kill somebody, Sure, you know, whether it was myself or somebody else, I was ready to murder. And, and she just started crying and she was like, where is my little boy? Like she didn't see me in me oh, at dude, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she didn't see me in me at all. Mm-hmm. And so you know, and I came out of it. And I was like, what do I truly want to do? You know, and I got in alignment with my values and I've started to help people. And yet I'm still struggling with things. And right. the thing that I've realized is for a lot of the time, um, 
this is something I said a long time ago that then I realized I wasn't practicing mm -hmm. is a lot of people mask the truth in positivity instead of finding the beauty in the truth. Sure. And a lot of the time I find the beauty in the truth, but there are certain things that I just mask in positivity and I wasn't willing to face with inside myself. And so recently I've really been going in a deep dive of facing the things inside myself and not running away from them, but loving them and accepting them. Like I, I have a need for attention. And instead of being like, oh, well, that's egotistical and that's insecure and blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh man, you just need to feel loved and you need like reassurance. And I love myself and appreciate that. And that way, instead of my emotion using me, I can use my emotion to get what I want. I can turn sure. that need into a value of connection, right. you know? And so I've been working on a lot of stuff like that. And on my journey of it, I've just helped people along the way because I know that my brain chemistry is so fragile that I need to be doing all this stuff. And it's this stuff changes your brain chemistry. That's the thing that people don't get. They're like, well, depression is just um, an in imbalance of brain chemistry. I'm like, yeah, it is. And your thoughts affect your brain chemistry. They affect your body chemistry, the food you eat, the time you wake up, you know, everything affects yeah they have the right conclusion but they're missing all the little aspects that actually go yeah. into and that so conclusion. i i believe in medication at a certain point of like if you get to the point where there is no way that you can look at something and you're just like stuck there and you can't see the light out take medication get your point to get yourself to a point where you can see the light get off the medication and wean yourself off as you start to build these practices and because what integrity is and what self-confidence is it doesn't come from your possessions it doesn't come from your accomplishments it doesn't come from what people think of you it doesn't come from what you look like it comes from the promise it comes with your reputation with yourself of if you keep these promises to yourself and so if you're a like somebody who dreams big like me, mm -hmm. what happens a lot of the time is you make these huge promises to yourself. I had huge promises to little me when I was in the second grade of by the time at this time that I would be some famous actor changing the world, right. you know, being an activist. These are promises that I wasn't able to keep to myself because I wasn't in integrity with who I was and how I was feeling at the time. And maybe I could be there if I was in integrity with myself all the way through of keeping the promises to myself that I said that I was going to do because I see the path. Right. It's just about actually walking. it, Right. And there's a level of faith, too, in that kind of stuff, I've realized. Right. Because I've said I, I think we relate a lot in that way, especially because mm -hmm. uh, we're different in many ways. You know, and then there's many things that we come together with. And that's um, why it's cool to kind of have each other as friends. But like you just said, that you set these huge goals. And if you don't hit something at a certain time, it's like, damn it. Like, I have learned to just do what I know I need to be doing and then have faith in that things are going to work out. And that is, I mean, holy crap, if anyone's listening to this and knew me forever, I'm not someone who ever believed in anything like that, right? Because I, I do mean almost in the spiritual sense of having faith in something greater that that's going to serve me if I'm serving in the best way I can. Mm -hmm. um, and that means serving yourself too, right? Like, yeah, not burning yourself out, like going crazy um, with these working things, like doing what you can, but then also knowing, hey, I need to take a step back. So like doing what you can, while also helping yourself and then and then things just they really do seem to work out. Yeah, and when you keep these promises to yourself, you the best promises to keep to yourself are the boundaries that you need in order to take care of your well-being. Yes. You know? So like the promises that I keep to myself is that I'm going to meditate every day because I need this for my well-being. I'm going to do my affirmations every day. I need this for my well-being. I'm going to get myself physically active. I need this for my well-being. I'm not going to say I'm going to run every day. I'm not going to say I'm going to go to the gym every day because I don't know if I can, but I know that I can be physically active 
every day. I know that I can drink a glass of water every day. Mm -hmm. And if I can keep those promises to myself, that builds and builds and builds and builds. And it gives you so much power and energy that when you fail at another thing, you still have this foundation to come back on. And that's what I'm talking about is I never dip so far anymore because my self-confidence is back up just based on keeping promises to myself. Sure. No matter what somebody says, like my ego is fragile in some aspects and can be torn down, but it, you know, it can only be torn down as far as low as your self-confidence is. And so the more self-confidence you build, the smaller that ego gets until you hit the ceiling and that ego is completely crushed. And that's why monks don't have ego because all they're doing is keeping promises to themselves by doing the same thing every day. Oh, I'm going to wake up at 3 a.m. I'm going to do my chores. <laughs> right. I'm going to meditate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it is, it's interesting because, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit. I know that you're about to attend something where you'll probably be around those types of people. But when I had went to a monastery myself, just Buddhist, like learning about breathing and things like that, it was interesting to see the way they lived. And it's almost like it's something that would be obvious. Clearly, I think anyone with a brain would recognize it's harder to do in the real world. But they do show you that it is possible to live a you know, very happy and fulfilled life with almost nothing. I mean, they have nothing. Like, yeah. you know, they really live off literally just... I don't, I mean, it's not like it's nothing, right? They have food and they have shelter and things like that, but it's amazing the level of contentment, I guess I should say, with, they didn't have any of the things that I thought I needed to be content, right? Mm -hmm. Which I just thought was so freaking cool that these guys look happier than most people I know, and yet they don't have the stuff or the things or yeah. whatever. Um, most of them, I mean, a lot of people get their happiness in relationships and stuff like that, which I get. And like most of them don't even have that, right? Like they have like their group or whatever you want to call it, but, uh, it's not like they're there with husband, wife, and kids. A lot of those people dedicated their lives to the monastery, and that's all they'll ever do. Yeah, it's their relationship to spirit is the relationship that makes them happy. Correct. And I would never say that, you know, um, I think it's perfectly fine to get some level of enjoyment off certain things and certain foods and, and being in relationships with people. It's when we require those things um, that it kind of gets messed up. Yeah, and I think the thing with the mental health that we're struggling with so much is the fact that we're constantly always striving for something like these goals that I've had of like being these things. That's what it's the promises that we're not being able to, we're not keeping to ourselves. We're constantly pushing ourselves and nothing is ever good enough. And we're never content. And that's what creates high achievers. And that's what also creates depression. And you notice a lot of high achievers suffer from some sort of depression and mental illness, which causes them to enforce strict boundaries, which causes them to be successful. Like I've listened to a lot of podcasts and that seems to be one of the formulas. And yeah, that's what I was saying. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's really interesting because when it's helped me become, I try, I strive, I really do. I really do try to be as unbiased with this stuff as possible. Cause obviously I have my thoughts about the mental health epidemic and things like that. And what's so cool is that every person that comes on here helps change my perspective a little bit because you're totally right that's a huge factor in all this stuff right and so is nutrition and so is the fact that we're more um in touch with each other but more disconnected you know like we i can contact anyone right now but the connections aren't necessarily the same that they used to be and it's all these things put together and that's why we're seeing these numbers go up so high i mean one of the things i talk about in the schools to these kids i'm like guys this real stat is that 25% of the kids that I'm talking to today in here are going to deal with a diagnosable mental health issue this year alone. And I never reported this stuff. I have friends that never reported this stuff. It's probably higher. Like, that's a serious thing going on. Yeah, know? people talk that, like, cancer and heart disease and all these physical ailments are the things that are plaguing everybody the most on the planet. But the thing that's plaguing the majority of the planet 
is mental illness. I, I that is totally the disease, and, that, and nobody talks about it. Well, people talk about it now, and it's becoming more and more a bigger thing because so many people are facing it. And I think it, the technology is a huge thing, not only on the fact that we're disconnected from people, but back to my point about striving, is that you're seeing all these people. And so you're like, I got to keep up. I got to make my life just as good as theirs. I got to, you know, I got to get all the followers. I got to get all the likes. That's how everything's going to work out for me. And that's how my dreams are going to come true. Sure. And it's like right in front of your face and you, and it's like in your phone and you want to grab it and you can't because it's behind a screen. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's, it's interesting you brought that up too, because but what I found is there's some people that can tie some level of happiness to it because they might have, I mean, this is just getting into, you know, more, psychology and humans in general some people do have what it takes right like they're just going to be the person that can get that kind of uh, fame or um validation through that like they're always going to be that person right the problem is 90 something percent of us are not the people that are ever going to be getting the most likes or you know the top three percent so yes when we're comparing to that and we have no chance of ever necessarily becoming that um it's a huge problem i think and i think it should be something that everyone should avoid but you know it, it's one of those things where i've seen people that maybe they they see those types of people mm -hmm. and they strive more and they're actually able to pull it off because that's just the type of person that they are, you know? So it's, it's interesting, but I don't think that's going to work for 95% of individuals. Well, I don't think it's something that we should do. I think, I think it's something that um, people, people can change, right? And it all comes down to why are you doing this? You know, why are, because why are people going to follow you is if you have a strong enough why for yourself. And if you, if your why is just because it's going to feel good and I want to be famous and like, I'm going to be awesome and I'm feeding my ego, right. you're never going to get there. You need, and you need to have a purpose. Your ego might be involved and a lot of people's aren't and it's short lived, mm -hmm. but if, and, and they don't get as far as they want to go. They, they get capped off, right. you know, somewhere. But if you really want to make a difference, you know, you have to have a strong why about what you're doing. Even if that why is just, I want to inspire people to be as great as I am, you know, something like that, anything you need to know why. And that's like such a big thing that people forget. And if your why sounds like it's shallow and not good enough, just reflect on that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So, and you can, I mean, and I believe, and I just want to say 95% of the people won't do it, but I believe that everybody can change. I believe that everybody can do it. It's just about if they're willing to put in the work to change themselves in order to be the kind of person that does do it. Yes, and I also agree with that. The problem is the work, the work that they would have to do would require them first to take a temporary break from that egoic state that's motivating them to want to be like those people anyway. Because it's not coming, it's like you said with the why, it's not coming from the right source the people that are naturally going to see those types of people high level and then be able to mimic them are usually the people that have some type of natural fire or reason that just like those people at the top do mm -hmm. you know but if you have joe schmo down the street that's has nothing that lights him or her up inside and then just sees you know katie smith with thirty thousand followers doing all this type of stuff and you're mimicking it solely for that influence well that is pure ego right um mm -hmm. and the other thing that you said and i mean Feel free to disagree with me, but it's something that I always think about. I think, I think ego is a part of us for a reason, and I think it's going to be a part of us again. Unless you're living some life like a monk, it might be hard to completely erase this or have you know what a lot of people call like the ego death or whatever. So I think the goal that I strive for is not necessarily so much to have 
no ego in anything I do. I ask for myself to have this self-awareness to recognize when I'm doing something for ego or for another reason. Is the, pro- the solution is pretty much the same regardless. And if you can have that is then if I'm able to say, you know what, dude, you did this solely because you were feeling like you needed to be validated or something like that. Well, then you can edit, right? Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of people I think are acting and posting and doing all this stuff without, I mean, they have, they seriously don't, it's not really their fault. They have no awareness to the fact that they did this solely to get some type of validation. Um, I see a lot of people online and maybe I'm just hating cause I'm not some, you know, jacked, uh, superstar myself, but I, I do see like there's this one person in particular, and I always see them posting uh, like their body and things like that. And they're a good looking, it's a good looking chick or whatever. Yeah. But the stuff that she says doesn't match what the type of stuff is that she's posting. Like it is so clear, unfortunate to anyone like looking at like you're seeking validation for this, whatever. And, and it sucks too, because this person has so many good things to say, mm-hmm. but you don't even need to validate yourself in that way. And so it's those moments when, I, I mean, who the hell am I to say that she isn't self-aware of it? I have no idea, but the point is she's clearly not aware enough of it to change it. Right. So that, that's kind of one of the huge aspects of it. So, um, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Do you agree with that? Or just like being yeah. aware and then editing? Definitely. It's just about what you're, it's always going to be there. It's just whether you're operating out of it or not. Correct. And that, and to know if you're operating out of it is if you're operating out of fear and need, you know, if you need something, you're probably operating out of ego. If you need attention, if you need control, if you need safety, if you need to be separate from others, then you're operating out of ego. If you're trying to separate yourself at all or be better or compare yourself to anybody, you're operating out of ego. And so the whole thing is, it's like, let's stop operating out of that. And let's start operating out of our true essence and soul, which is another part of our identity. You know, let's operate out of that identity of self-confidence and following our passion. And, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. I'm doing my thing and I'm here to serve. You know, operate out of that. Yeah. (laughs) I love the uh, kind of side tangent. I think that's really useful stuff and just cool to have on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, what was, so you had this moment and you said, you know, especially even that Christmas was, that was kind of a, that's a powerful moment, right? When, mm-hmm. uh, because I know your mom's a sweet lady and I can't even imagine like having her say like, where's my son? Like that's, that's tough, man. Like, so, yeah. um, and you're a good dude. So yeah, I can only imagine it kind of affects you. Like what I was wasn't a good dude at the time. But yeah. I think, okay, I think at the core. Yeah, at the yes. core, yeah. yeah. But it was buried beneath a bad dude. Right, and unfortunately we all, I mean, everything's a duality, right? Like, we all have that. It exists in all of us. Yeah. Um, so it's always just allowing, you know, what do we allow to take over more? What were the first things that you did to kind of get back on track? Because I know that you already, like, you're pretty good. Like, you have a lot of stuff in your head. Like, I think you know what to do in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what to do to support yourself. So what changed after that? It wasn't about knowing what to do. It was about doing it. Okay. You know, I intellectually understood what I needed to do for a long time and I was doing those things. But what really has made the difference for me is to express, right? Because so long, for so long, I would just go into, you know, my meditation, my affirmations, create who I am. And that's a part of myself that then I would channel out. And that was, you know, and that is a part of myself, but I would drop back into that deep breath because there's a part of me that wasn't being expressed and that was being pushed down. So I had these two conflicting parts, which created fragmentation in my energetic field. And the thing is, in order to smooth that out, I need to love and accept those other parts of myself. So I've been going through all these parts of myself 
and loving and accepting them and bringing them confidence and hearing what they have to say and giving them what they need by enforcing my boundaries and keeping my word so that the parts inside me can trust me. Mm -hmm. And, and that is what's been the most healing. And then on top of that, of doing that internal work and notice it's just a lot awareness is everything. So I notice something happens in an interaction and I'm aware of it, of a way that I'm feeling, expressing how I'm feeling and communicating directly with that person and telling them how it is in a very kind, loving way and receiving how they feel from that. And then saying like where understanding that in that person, when they react that kind of way comes from something from before, it doesn't have to do with me and not taking that personally. And when I do that to them, trusting that they're not going to take it personally and understand that it came from somewhere from before being able to communicate that out in a healthy way has been a tremendous thing. And also doing therapy upon myself, meditating every day, being with myself, cutting out the distractions, cutting away the phone, cutting away the television. Cause I would just escape at any cost, like okay. my entire life since I was a little kid. That's why we didn't have TV in the house. It wasn't because my parents didn't believe it. They just knew that if the television was there, I was going to be glued to it because oh, I wow. was trying to go to another world. Sure. Okay. And so, yeah, so I cut out all of um, the distractions and I started committing to myself and following my passion and surrendering and trusting and doing my best in what I was doing and letting everything just show up and come to me. And um, so I do my affirmations. I let go of limiting beliefs frequently. And I do this thing to get my vibration by, you know, pretending and feeling, not pretending, just like saying what I want, feeling it, visualizing it and fully embodying in it and living my day like that all day long and holding that. And then whenever I don't feel that way, checking in with myself, taking a deep breath, feeling whatever I'm feeling, loving, accepting it, working through it if it needs to be worked through or saying that I'll deal with it a little bit later sure. and, and actually dealing with it. But then when it, once it like moves out of the way, just getting back into living in that state. And the more I live in that state, the more my neurons are wired. The synapses in my brain are aligned and the thicker that becomes. And that just becomes my state of living. Right. Eventually it goes from a practice like, okay, this is just who I am and this is just how I am. Yeah. Just like it happened to you negatively over those nine months. Yeah. Work. And it's it happened to me positively and negatively and positively negatively over my life. Right. You absolutely. know, but I think I'm finally on the part where I have the things I'm in a strong enough place that the things that I need to deal with are coming up from things of ways that I was abused and different things are coming up and I'm able to deal with them. I'm able to see them. I'm able to see the reoccurring dramas in my life that are the stories that I've been telling myself from those things that happened so long ago that have been recreating them in my life over and over again through my behavior, having the awareness, stopping those things and moving forward with the utmost love and expecting, you know, what the person I want to be would expect. There was a huge realization that I had last thing of where I was meditating and I'm like, when am I going to be this guy that I want to be? When am I going to be this loving guy, this person that listens, this person that makes people feel special, this person that is like inspirational. When am I going to be this person? I'm like, dude, stop asking when you're going to be it and just make choices to be that every day right now right? and accept the parts that you are and be grateful for the parts that you already are that. And the more grateful for you, the more grateful for those parts that you see in yourself the more that they will amplify. Gratitude's the biggest amplifier. Absolutely. And dude, I mean, listen, I don't sugarcoat things. Um, I think you know that. Most people that know me listening probably mm-hmm. know that. I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting because I do that myself. And sometimes like these things that we desire, we desire, we don't even realize that we're already doing it. Like if you, seriously, you listed those things, about four of them mm-hmm. that you want to be doing. I would put those in some of your top 10 characteristics. Like I would say that you're already doing stuff like that. So I wouldn't 
it's funny, right? Again, we and not only should you not be worried about like, oh, when does it happen? You can do it right now. And you probably are doing it right now. If you have any desire, you probably already actually are acting in that way a lot more than other people. So you hit on some like a really like four other really good points. Some of the stuff people might not know about. Um, most of them are easy Google searches. One of the ones I'd love for you to say though, can you talk about how do you define a limiting belief? Because we talk about it all the time. Some people have never heard something like that. Like, what's a limiting belief for someone? A limiting belief is something that you tell yourself that prevents you from doing anything that you want to do. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I, nobody loves me. This, that, and the other thing. These are stories that you tell yourself that you think are inherent within you that are really just the words and the vibration of someone else that you've soaked in. And now you've constantly are finding evidence of why those things are true. Those are limiting beliefs. So they're a yeah, and you constantly are finding evidence to be the legs on the table that you're holding up this limiting belief with. And we want to kick these, those legs out by realizing that those limiting beliefs are just beliefs. Well, and they, they can be changed. Right? And we don't yeah. realize necessarily, sometimes this is what you said about awareness. It's, it's so important because you hear a lot of top entrepreneurs say that. It's one of the things that every single one of those people that comes on the Shark Tank and it acts as like the sharks, it's like the entrepreneurship uh, investing show, if you don't know, they all are extremely aware of what they're good at and what they're bad, bad at. And that's just a general like. And they've accepted have. what they're bad at. Exactly. And they're not running away from it and pretending that it doesn't exist. It's hilarious. That is key. Yes. It is hilarious how many people you see comment, oh, these, you know, so-and-so, so we go like, on here or whatever. And I just sit there and laugh, like, these are the first people to admit, and they all do it consistently, what they're not good at and what they're not, you know, made to be doing. How many people do you hear doing that on a realistic basis? There's a, there's a huge double-edged kind of bad sword that comes with that lack of awareness. We don't strike, we don't focus on our strengths enough, and we also ignore our weaknesses and it just leads to there, there's no good that comes from that whatsoever mm -hmm. so with the limiting beliefs i think it's something that requires awareness to realize because even myself right we're always going to have some type of yeah. thing we got to just cut it's a journey you know you keep going up higher and higher and it's not that it's happening necessarily subconsciously although it does but i think it's the limiting beliefs are the things that we're saying in our inner voice right and they are mm -hmm. so habitual it's like deciding to brush your teeth in the morning, right? Like you don't think about the dialogue that was involved to brush your teeth, although you probably did say to yourself at some point, oh, I'm going to go brush my teeth right now, right? So I think it's those things where like, yes, if you believe for so long, oh, I'm not good looking or oh, I'm not smart or oh, I'm not whatever, right? Then you're not going to be smart or good looking. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and what, so what are some of the practical things? Because I know you have, I mean, very advanced techniques. Mm -hmm. For someone that's never even heard the word limiting belief and just, or term, I should say, and now just heard that, what's something practical that they can do to start the journey of maybe fighting off some of those? Here's a simple one. The whole thing is first identify it. And the way that you can identify it is look at things that you wanted to get in your life that you didn't get. And what was the thing that was stopping you? And that's your limiting belief. And you should probably, you'll probably feel hurt when you say that limiting belief out loud. Then the whole thing is just rewire your brain. So you've identified the limiting belief, you shine light on that. You can realize like, wow, I can see where that came from, that that's not something that came from me. It might have come from my mom or my dad. And then write an inverse statement to it. So then every time you think that, so if I think, oh, I'm stupid and everybody else knows better, and that's inhibiting me from making good decisions, then I'd say, every time I think that thought, I'd say, I'm good enough to make excellent decisions. 
Sure. So that way, every time I think that thought, I'm canceling it out and I'm rewiring it with a new thought. So that's the a simple way to go about it. Okay. And it's really important. Um, at least I've heard, like you have to add the emotion into that when you're saying that, right? Like it's not really just enough to just blankly say, Oh yeah, I think I'm smart enough. Like you have to actually feel what it would feel like to be. You have to feel it. You have to say it with passion, but if you just start saying it and you can't feel it with the passion yet, just try. Sure. And if you don't, it's fine, but just keep trying. And eventually you'll start to feel it when you say it. And eventually you'll feel like it's true. Got it. Okay. That's great. Um, Awesome. What is, I guess I just want to, because we actually, we're already talking for a while, which is great. You listed a bunch of stuff that has helped you, whatever. That's great. And that's gotten you to the place right now. What are the things that you're focused on now? What are some of your goals? Like, what do, what do you do? So, um, I'm in the process of figuring that all out. But right now I am life coaching people and I throw these retreats where I help people rid themselves of limiting beliefs and then create the reality of their dreams. And I'm doing it in a number of ways. I went to acting school and so I've learned all kinds of ways to kind of rewire your brain and change yourself into a different character. And through all this stuff that I've learned through coaching, I've learned how to figure out and align yourself with what it is that you value and what your purpose is. So if you can identify the purpose and then you can create the character that fits into the purpose. So that's a lot of what I'm working on now. So I'm doing retreats, I'm creating content, I'm throwing workshops and I'm teaching classes. Um, I'm teaching classes for the boys and girls club in Trenton. I'm about to start teaching classes at Koru in Doylestown. Sure. And you know, I'm looking for other places to teach classes, but then I have my day-to-day -day clients and I'll be creating content soon, podcasts, videos. I'll be putting out some of my quotes and writing and stuff like that. And ultimately, I want to create courses so that people can channel not only their truest self, but their best and highest self so that then they can channel like other wisdom through themselves to help themselves and others. Awesome, man. Yeah, you totally have a... We were saying the other day, but like, yeah, you really do have something that... I don't know what it is, man, but you bring out the best in other people and you can get them to do the things that they need to do. So it's really, that's really cool. Thanks, man. What is, I know this is something I always ask as well. What's the one brief message? It could be like a sentence or two sentences, whatever. And it might be something you already said, but mm -hmm. we have a tendency, we're going to forget a lot of the things that we listen to over yeah. the 48, 50 minutes that we did. So there's no doubt. What would be the one brief message that you would want someone to understand that is dealing with some type of mental health issue? Some sort of mental health yeah, issue. Like what's or a just brief in... message you would give them if there's one thing that you needed them to remember from this thing? They're out there, they're suffering, they're dealing with this stuff, they need help. The more you run away from it, the worse it's going to get. It, you're never going to be able to deal with it until you run straight at it, look it in the face, and give it a hug. Yeah, I well, I can't speak on the hug part, but I do know about the rest of that all too well. You're absolutely right, man. I mean, these things... There is no shame in, in getting support with it, whatever that means for you, right? Whether that's a mm -hmm. therapist or just talking to family and yeah. friends, depending on, you know, how severe what you're dealing with. Neither of us are doctors here. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that's the problem. I found that to be a general trend for most people. This isn't something like, you know, sometimes people are born with like asthma, right? And then yeah. you find at 18, oh shit, I don't have asthma anymore and that's great. Unfortunately, that doesn't seem how mental health issues go. No. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It seems mm -hmm. to get a lot worse over time. Yes. And, you know, I went from a, personally a guy you know just dealing with some adjusted they were severe but you're just dealing with a few panic attacks a month at five years old and i mean you remember me at 18 by 18 i'm a completely different person yeah and here's the thing though 
it's 13 years to get to that point, mm-hmm. right? I had a lot of opportunity and I didn't take it. So I, I love, um, no one said that yet as like the brief message. And I love that because that's just the damn truth, man. Like we can make it as positive as you want. And we can end the stigma mm-hmm. in America and all these other countries about mental health. But the truth is there's always going to be that first five to 10% has to come from us. Yeah. And well, our initiation. Let me say something. the other thing is when you do face that, the strongest, thing to do is to love and accept it and that will make you a stronger better person it's not that you're not going to become undepressed right it's that you're going to love and see the beauty and accept your depression yes because there's lessons in all of it too there's yeah. a lot of things to learn usually and, this stuff means something's going wrong in your life yeah and when you can love and accept it and see that it's beautiful it no longer affects you in the same way it create it allows you to see everything in such a like fresher more beautiful way sure you know, and it's only if you face it, you love it, and you accept it. And that's from all of your fears and anxieties and everything. And just realize, like, man, I know why you're afraid, and I'm here, and I love you, and I accept you, and we're going to get through this together. Sure. And just do that to yourself. I, I love how – so Casey gets into some really deep stuff, and this is him, like, pretty toned down. But you, I mean, you have a lot of <laughs> Seriously, you have a lot of yeah. profound things to say, and – uh, good wisdom with certain stuff. Where can we people reach you? If because I would personally, guys, I, I would totally recommend Casey. Just it's okay. Obviously, again, not a doctor or a therapist, but I think something like what you do is an essential part in a healing journey. It's stuff that I've done in my healing journey. It was a it was a huge pivotal um, part for that. Where can people reach you or find you? So um, right now, my website is Coaching with Casey, and Casey is spelled C A Y C E. So CoachingWithCasey.com. But I'm going to change my domain name, I don't know when, to just my name, Casey, C-A-Y-C-E, Kolodny, K-O-L-O-D-N-E-Y, so CaseyKolodny.com, and it'll be there, and um, you can always- depending on when you're listening, just try- Either or, whichever comes up. Casey first, and then Casey Kolodny second. And and you can always email me at CaseyKolodny at gmail.com, and um, yeah, I'll be teaching classes on how to express these things through play, joy, and love. And that's like a big focus of mine right now. Of Like um, we don't need, like children express these different parts within themselves, themselves through play. And once you stop playing, that's when these things start to build up. So it's about how can we as adults bring the play back? Got it. And yeah, guys, I don't recommend things that I don't, you know, either haven't experienced or know very well about. So Casey had um, myself and our friend Jimmy over this summer to kind of test some of the stuff that he was working on um, and doing. And it was phenomenal. We had a great time, man. And it built a bond too. You know, like mm-hmm. I didn't even really, I didn't know Jimmy that well before him. Like I love Jimmy now. Like it's, it's cool. Like, <laughs> someone I can reach out to. Yeah. Um, and you and I definitely got closer. We've been working on a lot of things. So that's awesome. Um, if you're a local Doylestown, Bucks County area too, uh, Casey and I have also been hosting these accountability groups. We kind of have it separated right now. We have some stuff that's more pure business side hustle type things, but we also have stuff that's, a more emotional personal development uh, mm-hmm. type stuff and we've had this is really a cool thing like i didn't really think it was going to be this effective but it's just it's not like anyone's doing anything profound we're, yeah. we're just focusing on creating a supportive network that says hey this is the actionable things i'm going to do to work on whatever goal it is at the time so some people have really small ones and yeah. other people are you know making very good money in their business or whatever mm-hmm. and uh it's really interesting to see how that works out. So you guys, are, you know where to reach out to me. Now you know where to reach out to Casey. I'm more than willing, uh, welcome, excuse me, to get in contact for something 
uh, like that with us. We'd love to have you guys. Um, also stay tuned because Casey and I are definitely going to be working on a podcast together. That's probably going to be more consistent, uh, separate topic, but I'm excited for that. Um, you might not have anything. Is there any last thing, not like a brief message? I know we already did that. Is there anything we missed on the podcast or do you feel like you got it all out? Cause you did have a lot of great things to say. It's all about the love, baby. <laughs> well, dude, Casey, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate you sharing your story. Guys, this has been the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast. I'm your host, as always, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. We will see you guys soon. I got a few more people lined up for the months of October and November, and we're excited to get back at it. So thanks for everyone who's been sticking around, um, and we will talk to you soon. Have a good one.